I think the secret to life, which is to say the secret to living life, isn't some piece of knowledge that reveals everything. Instead, I think it's an approach to life that changes everything. I'm talking about faith, of course, which isn't so much a belief as it is a way of life based on beliefs uh, about God, but manifested in our pursuits, our choices, and our responses in life. The story of the Bible, and certainly the story of the book of Acts, which we've been studying together, isn't so much a story about God, it's a story about faith in God. And faith, it turns out, changes everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near. And I will fear no
Would you please join me as we open the service in prayer? God, we're so grateful for the stories in the Bible that show us what you're like. And I was reminded this week of the resurrection story in the middle of it. The women, you've been crucified and the women went to mourn at your tomb. And there was an earthquake and it shook everything. And then this angel came down and sat and talked to them and told them what to do. Show them where you lay, told them to go into town and tell the other guys that you were risen. And then fast forward all these stories in Acts, Lord, where we're learning what you're like and you're showing us what Paul did and said and how he moved and lived in you with so many shaken moments. And we're living in shaken moments now, Lord, and, and we, we love this wrap up where Paul just rents an apartment, invites people to come and just to open his home. So Lord, we just pray this morning that you would send angels to those who need it, that you would drop in and let us hear from you super personally and really specifically for what's going on in our lives right now. Because we know that you have good things for us to do and that the only way we can see you move, Lord, is if we get out of the way and invite you to do it. So help us be courageous, help us to open up and be able to hear you really well in this time things are shaken, that we could be that rock that is unshaken and going after what you have for us. We bless you all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey there, my name is uh, Joe Aguiar, I'm a kinesiologist. Now you see there how I gave a strong blast, but then I immediately stopped it. I specialize in uh, keeping kids active because you know what I always say, um, this virus is active, so uh, the kids got to stay active too. This virus is active, so you should be too. I always say that. That's gold. Hi, I'm Tiffany, and I too am a PE teacher. Kinesiologist. <laughs> this is my husband, Joe, over here. Kinesiologist kinesiologist, health instructor, PE instructor, whatever. If you didn't really take all the studied classes, you could call yourself a PE teacher, but four-year degree, kinesiologist. Today I'm just hoping to drive around with my family and encourage other families to get out and get active, get outside and be in the sun. I know right now it's really hard because a lot of kids can't go outside and play with their friends or they can't even go to school. We're gonna drive up on some kids. Stretch before good. Uh, I'm going to be yelling at them, i got to get them going because I know they've been sitting around on their iPads and playing the video games a little too much. So I'm hoping to get everybody active today and just have some fun and spread some joy. Hey, you know what would be fun is we should play the alphabet game where we name an exercise for every letter of the alphabet. Who's with me? Hey. All right, I'm in. There we go. A is for abdominal crunches. B, go. That's how you earn your food in this house. Hi! Are you guys ready to exercise? Oh. Let's exercise! Let's go, a little high knees around the house there, Hanson Sim kids. He's looking at me like he's angry. Go, Nico, go, beat your sister. Knees up, knees up. Joe, give him an animal walk or something fun. I don't know about Jumping jack. I feel like you really want to attach, you know, the cardiovascular. They're going to tire attach out. The heart to the lung. Hey, can you give me a few hops there? Like a kangaroo, like a kangaroo hop. That's from Mrs. A. 
My wife, she's also a kinesiologist. Uh, I met her in college in kinesiologist class. You know, I blew my whistle and uh, doot, doot, brought her over. A little romance, a little kindling happened, and uh, boom, we got a couple babies out there. One, two kids, yeah. Oh, gotta get a stretch in here. I'm stretching a while. Do you guys like the hula hoop? We do too. All right, when I blow the whistle, you guys are gonna jump. All right, ready, start, jump. Jump, oh yeah. You gotta blow your whistle when you tell them to jump. I know how to use a whistle. I feel like uh, you gotta earn your whistle. Uh, it took me about 20 years of kinesiologist study. And then I got my first whistle. You don't just give whistles out to anybody. This is very serious business. I don't want to see whistles on any of you guys. <laughs> Let's get in the car. She's not listening to me. Think I should blow the whistle? I'm gonna get out of the car. Should I give her a little three tap? That'll get her moving. You know what's the thing about? Let's go, Jeff. Go on, I'm gonna car. Yeah, we have a little signal. I'll go toot toot twice and then she'll give me a three toot and that lets us know that we need to get together and communicate. What? Let's go and don't ever whistle at me again. No, just a little bit. Never. Just again. like the old times. Nope. Let's wow. go. The patrol. I think they know who we are. Get the bullhorn. I don't know how to work it. That's my problem. You just gotta pull the trigger and aim, baby. Yeah. Hey, buddy. I got tons of noodles. Who wants to play some noodle time? Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. But not too close. Six feet. Six feet. Six feet. How far is six feet? You can put your noodle out and touch your brother. That'd be six feet. Hold on. Pause. Don't make me get my whistle. Joe, you don't need the megaphone anymore. You're like right there with him. I think I need the megaphone. It's a little intimidating. Oh, you little wild one. Good job, buddy. Double whistle, back to the car. Double whistle means back to the car. Well, I think that went well. Are you serious? How was that exercise? We were just whacking each other. Okay, they're home. Hey! Nice. Oh, look at Damn. that. You guys are so strong. Five, five, six, P.E. Hands down, P.E. Feet up, yo, P.E. Butt kickers. Knees up. Knees up. Oh, he's gaining on me. Six feet. Six feet. So as a P.E. and health instructor, what I really want for kids at this age is to enjoy being active and love exercise because it's fun and also to understand that what they're doing today matters, that it's contributing to their health for the future and as an adult. Seriously, let's go! Let's get in the car! Move it now, Aguiars! Let's go! Should I call it a wask or a missile? What do you think about my whistle mask? You're not even getting recorded right now. <laughs> Living the dream. Good morning, Blue Water. Welcome to our Sunday virtual service. Joe and Tiff, thank you for bringing the joy of PE to our families. I, I mean, kinesiology. Uh, kids, your enthusiasm is inspiring. We like to say that everybody at Blue Water Ministers and the PE Patrol, what a way to bring ministry. All right, one highlight this week, the What If Creativity Conference is coming up this Thursday through Saturday. There's 20 different workshops and speakers from all over the island 
New York and Los Angeles. I'm leading a workshop called An Actor Prepares. And if you are interested in performing, acting, telling a story, entering a story, uh, which we are all in a bigger story, join me. All right, well, uh, let's continue our worship with our offering. If you're new or visiting, please feel no obligation to give this morning, but consider this service our offering to you. And if you are giving, you can give in two ways, online or you can send your check via post to the office. If you're giving online this week, you will notice a little difference in the website. Well, it's more than a little different, but more on that next week. All right, kids, stand up and we'll pray for you. Oh, Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you for our families. Lord, uh, through them, we can see how we live and move in you. Bless their time with you, Lord, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, we are at the very end of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 28, uh, we read uh, about uh, Paul's imprisonment in Rome. Um, some people think that this is his final imprisonment. He's been in jail lots of times. Uh, in fact, uh, historians think it's his penultimate imprisonment. He is in jail in Rome this time for a couple of years, and then he gets out briefly, and uh, people think that upon getting out briefly, he traveled to Spain, then he came back to Rome, and then he was thrown in jail again and then he was beheaded in the persecutions of Christians by Nero. But this is getting pretty close to the end of his life. Uh, we know that Paul has gone to Rome to stand trial in front of uh, Caesar, and what the Romans do is they put him under house arrest. He's not a dangerous criminal. Uh, he's actually won a little bit of respect from them, but uh, he is required to quarantine. He's required to shelter in place uh, for a couple of years. And the book of Acts ends on that. That's where Luke ends it uh, in verses uh, 30 and 31 from Acts chapter 28. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. <clears throat> he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ boldly and without hindrance. So he's just hanging out in Rome in some rented apartments. Uh, Christians in the area are helping to take care of him. And he's just receiving visitors during his sheltering in place. Cool story, he gets, he gets a little break. Um, he's in quarantine. Uh, anybody have any experience with that recently? You feel like you're shut in a little bit? Well, Paul uses his shut-in, his shutdown, to change the world because it was during this imprisonment in Rome that he wrote many of the epistles that make up the bulk of the New Testament. Uh, and he received visitors and, and uh, empowered uh, the Roman church, uh, etc. And I can't help but think, as I imagine that little scenario, Paul in this apartment in Rome for two years, just kind of receiving anyone who showed up. Like, okay, what if I were there? What if I got to go visit Paul at his place and just hang out and talk story 
what, what conversation would I have with him? What would I ask Paul? And when I present that question to myself, I immediately know what the answer is. Um, I would ask Paul, how did you manage to live the life? And, and by that I would mean, how did, you, how did you manage to live the life of faith? You know, and if you're a veteran of following Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. You know, just, just to live out of faith so thoroughly, so consistently, and so enduringly. How did you do it, Paul? Um, I wouldn't ask him questions about the stuff that he did, because I know how to do miracles. I mean, the, the way to do miracles is, is, is fairly easy. Um, I wouldn't ask him even about Jesus, to tell you the truth, uh, because I know about Jesus. I've met Jesus. I've had some encounters with God myself, and I believe the same things about God that Paul believed about God, pretty much, I think. The most essential difference between Paul and me is that clearly he lived with more faith than I do. And I want some tips on that. That's what I could glean from a conversation with Paul, I think. And indeed, Paul would brag about just that, his ability to kind of live the life uh, a little bit later, a few years later in his final letter to Timothy. He would say to Timothy on the eve of Paul's own death, he would say, um, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept faith. Paul knew that that was really the point, that was really the goal, that was really the secret to everything. Have you fought in faith? Have you raced in faith? Have you raced in faith the whole way? And if you do that, it turns out that everything else kind of takes care of itself, so put that goal in your mind. That was his, uh, one of his last pieces of advice to his protege, Timothy. Well, the story of the book of Acts, and we've read the whole thing now, is I think really a story about what faith in God does to people, what faith in God does to their lives, how people live with faith and through faith, and how that changes the world. Because the small group of Christians that we find in Jerusalem at the opening of the book of Acts would indeed go on to change the entire globe forever. And that's remarkable, and that's what faith in God does if you live it out. And that's what the book of Acts tells us. Think of all the different stories uh, that we've covered in the book of Acts in these past 28 chapters. Uh, the book of Acts opens with the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, walking with God in the here and now. The Christians immediately learn about that, and no sooner are they filled with the Spirit than they set about inventing church. Uh, they have to figure out how they are going to live now that Jesus has gone, but the Spirit has come, and they have a job to do. So they basically invent the community of faith. They invent how to do church, which is really about how to manifest what, what we believe in our lives and in our community. What should a community of faith look like? That was the first question they had to wrestle with. Uh, it's a good question for us to wrestle with. I mean, think about it. Uh, if you had to invent church from scratch, knowing what you know about God, how would you do it? What would you think about? What would you include? Just imagine like all the needs of everybody at church every Sunday, like they're always taken care of. Mm -hmm. I think something like that, like to me, that seems 
almost illogical, like I'm not realistic, but I feel even if it's material, you know, materialistic or, you know, needing food in the fridge or needing to pay this bill this month and everybody pitches in to pay that bill for that person, like actually thinking about that, that would be really cool. I'd like to see a church where people um, got together regularly and shared about their personal experiences with God. Um, I think you know, we all share, we all experience God in our own unique way. and That's created us all. I would kind of imagine that like if God had met me, he would have like disrupted my whole life, you know, like I would have been living one way and like God would have just kind of shaken things up. And so my thinking is that like, I don't know. I think that I would want other people to kind of join me in that journey of like disrupting our lives and committing our lives and our time fully to Jesus and then just seeing where he goes. I think that I would probably just travel as much as possible and spread the word, um, serve as much as possible, go as many places and try to touch as many people as possible and, and share, you know, the God's experience that, that, that I've grown to know, to know. Uh, well, uh, we get to see in the book of Acts, the early Christians build a church, implement what makes sense to them, uh, and uh, spread the church throughout the world and make lots of discoveries as they travel with the Holy Spirit. For them, the first thing to go out the window was normal life. That's the first decision that they made, the way they did community, the way they hung out with people, the way they treated uh, money. One of the first things we find out about the early church is that they shared everything in common. Nobody had any need. They were anti-materialistic up the wazoo. Uh, and they became interruptible and supernatural people. Uh, right from the get-go, they encouraged that in one another. Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John just kind of walking down the street. They walk past this crippled beggar. Normally, they might walk on by, but they become interruptible with the Spirit. They stop, they turn, they heal the guy. And that would become a pattern for Christian interaction for the ages. Just don't pass by opportunities to do the work of the kingdom. That's part of being the church. Um, they became powerful people uh, from the get-go. And therefore, they became controversial people from the get-go. In Jerusalem, they became incredibly popular and incredibly unpopular at the same time. And it turns out that would set a pattern for Christians and for the church throughout the ages. You become very popular and you become very unpopular, and you just have to learn to deal with that, it turns out. God is really real in the midst of the early church and the early Christians. We get to see that through all the miracles that happen, but also in the disturbing early story of Ananias and Sapphira who lied to people about how they were using their money, tried to lie to God and dropped dead as a result. Where the presence of God is concerned in the community of, of faith, you pursue it, you celebrate it, you cherish it, but you do not mess with it. There's gotta be a sense of holy respect uh, around the presence of God in the church. Uh, before too long, as the church grew, the world attacked viciously. Stephen is killed. And after that, uh, quite a number of Christians are killed and imprisoned, first by the religious Jews, but we know through history that the few, few years later, uh, the Romans themselves began murdering Christians wholesale. Um, the faith to repent 
the faith to be radically generous, the faith to do miracles, is the same faith to hold on to the point of death. It's all the same fabric. And the story of the book of Acts makes that clear from the beginning. And about the worst thing that you could do is to try to put boundaries on where your faith in God takes you. Even if it takes you to the cross, so be it. Uh, more than anything else, faith would take early Christians outward. Evangelism is everywhere you look in the book of Acts, about in every chapter. We particularly see evangelism in the midst of crises and struggles, whether it's Philip running to Samaria or Paul in his shipwreck on Malta. Uh, the early Christians are always gathering in, always gathering in. We read a lot um, as uh, the church spreads about the need for Christians to set aside their group identity in order to discover their true identity in God and uh, about how important it is to set aside the way we group other people in order to gather them into their true identity in the Lord. Over and over in the book of Acts, we see the importance of being supernatural people, of relying on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, of making space for the Holy Spirit, because to follow Christ means walking and working with the Holy Spirit in the here and now. That's what it means. From beginning to end, from the baptism of the Holy Spirit to being guided by the Holy Spirit to miracle working with the Holy Spirit. Our uh, crises reflexes must be built on faith. We get that a lot in the book of Acts. Instead of freaking out when things go badly, we must faith up when things go badly and find the opportunity for being fruitful in the midst of trouble. One meditation that comes up frequently in the book of Acts is about how God makes individuals. I would say only God makes true individuals in this world. To zig when the whole crowd zags, turns out that takes a lot of faith. It turns out that takes a lot of faith in God. And we should constantly treat ourselves as someone whom God is developing uniquely through our own peculiar stories, the faith to be an individual, uh, an undervalued uh, Christian virtue. In this world, we will have trials and tribulations. That's what Jesus said. And we must learn to experience God's presence and power in the midst of trials and tribulations. Sometimes God will show up and change our troubles and make them go away. Other times he just does miracles in the midst of trouble and thus the kingdom advances. I read the book of Acts and I find myself asking uh, the same questions that Christians asked there at the beginning. How should faith change my life? How should my faith in God change the way that I live life in this world? That's the question of the book of Acts. How is my faith shaping the world around me? is the question that immediately follows. Is my faith changing everything or not? And it turns out that the book of Acts is just filled with tips about letting faith change everything about you, about the way you live, and about 
uh, the world around you through the power that shapes, give, uh, that faith gives you. Uh, the way that we do relationships change, changes because of our faith in God. The things that we pursue, those change because of our faith in God. The way we respond to random things during the course of the day, uh, our generosity, uh, what we live for and what we're willing to die for changes because of our faith in God. The burden that we have for bringing people to God, that should really change because of faith that we have in the Lord. Our passion for, for, for self-change, for, for discipleship, for learning and growth. Um, how we identify ourselves and how we identify others or group others, that should totally change based on our faith in God. Uh, our willingness to be supernatural, to live supernaturally and miraculously and mystically, that should change. Certainly the way we respond to crises and how we expect God's presence and power in the midst of whatever is going on is a hallmark of whether we're letting faith determine our lives. Uh, are we people of faith? Because that's the good fight. That is the race. Are you living in faith or not? And we want to run that race. Is our faith doing what it should? That's the question. Is your faith doing what it should in your life? Or are we ignoring something? Um, is there some area in our life into which we are not letting faith come? Are there faith-free zones in your life? Now, that's a good question. Let's just pause and consider that for a second in the spirit of the book of Acts. Is there a faith-free zone in your life? Is there some place in life where you're not letting faith change things? Consider that for a second. Uh, for me, that's a question of daily inventory, something that I have to ask myself frequently. I have to let faith in. I have to let faith do what it does if I want to be uh, a Christian, if I want to live a life worthy of my calling, as Paul puts it in one of the epistles. Here's what will happen if you let faith in uh, to every situation. Here's what will happen if you let faith run wild in your life. Um, uh, it might not change every troubling circumstance as you wish uh, it would, but it will change everything for the better. It will make everything more fruitful. It will make wondrous things possible. As we said in a recent sermon, um, God provides victory over every circumstance, even if he doesn't change the circumstances. You will find that amazing things happen even in the midst of unchanging circumstances as you change in faith. Faith makes every story interesting. Your life will become interesting. You will constantly have interesting stories to tell. You will become the most remarkable change agent imaginable. Every room you enter will be different because you entered it. People will be forced to respond to your faith attitude. They will be forced to respond to the presence 
of God that you carry. It will make you more popular and it will make you more unpopular at the same time. Certainly, faith will change you. You will become more free, even if you become more troubled in some practical senses. Faith is the attitude that says, God could do something amazing right here, right now, with all this. Right, right at this moment. Right at this moment, as you listen, God could do something amazing. That right there, that's faith attitude in a nutshell. That's an experience of faith attitude. As a practical matter, if you are a blue water Christian, you know this. As a practical matter, faith is trying. Faith is trying. Faith is the attitude that leads you to try things. Leads you to try the good things of God, no matter what the situation is. Faith always leads to trying. And I'll leave you with this final question uh, that I get from the book of Acts. Ask yourself, well, what haven't I tried? What haven't I tried that I should? If you're faced with a troubling situation, then ask yourself in faith, well, what haven't I tried? What should I try that I haven't? What should I manifest? What attitude should I bring that I have not brought? What haven't I tried? If you're just facing good situations, you have opportunities, then ask yourself, well, what haven't I tried? What can I do here um, that would be godly and powerful and evangelistic and kingdom-oriented? What haven't I tried? And that question will always take you forward in life. Always. And for my money, that's actually the secret to living life. Let's pray. I pray, Lord, that we at Blue Water would live a life worthy of our calling, that we would live as free men and women in a troubled world, that we would live as fruitful men and women in a hungry world, that we would live as bold men and women in a fearful world. We pray as Jesus taught, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in us as it is in heaven. I pray that you would make us agents of order amidst the chaos, that you would make us agents of change amidst the hopelessness, that we would be what we should be because we fight the fight in faith. We run the race in faith and we do the work of faith. More than uh, most anything else, Lord, I pray that you would give us faith attitude, that our approach to everything would change in accordance with our optimism in God. Paul was better at it than I am, Lord. I pray that you would fill my mind and my heart with tips and encouragement that gets me where I need to be. Stretch out your hand and perform miraculous signs and wonders in this city through your people and around your people. What are the areas into which we have not let faith come?
What are the areas in which we have found some comfort in hopelessness and fear? We put those areas before you, Lord, and wish to experience you there in faith. And Father God, what haven't we tried that we should be trying? Come what may, succeed or fail. Make us people of try that we may constantly move forward and multiply the interesting stories in our community. In this time of quarantine, in this time of shutdown and shelter at home, I pray that like Paul, we would actually change the world around us. I pray that we would find ways to be salt and light and that we would find ways to be free even if we feel that we are in chains. It is a great privilege to walk with you, Lord, to live the life. We look forward to the next life, Lord. We just pray that we could do this one well. In Christ's name, everybody says, Amen. The Lord is just impressing upon me that there's someone out there uh, who has run out. You run out of time and resources and, and you're up against it, as are a lot of people in this season. And the Lord just wants me to encourage you um, as uh, it's likely that people are going to get mad at you and put some pressure on you. Ask for a break and present a plan. As this. Uh, uh, phrase from Jesus's life um, that he grew in, um, in favor uh, before men. And, and the Lord is just blessing you with supernatural favor. Ask for a break and present a plan and you will get a break. And more than that, you will uh, inspire solutions for those around you. So be encouraged. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today for our Sunday service. It's so good to know that we can be together truly in spirit, even if we can't be together in body. I hope that you felt encouraged from this, the message as we wrapped up the life of Paul and the book of Acts. God is still writing our story. We can live in great faith. If you would like someone to come alongside you in prayer today, maybe to pray for your story, for faith to live boldly this week, or maybe you have another need for healing or uh, another area of your life, we would love to be that partner in prayer. You can email Julie at bluewatermission.org, include your name and your phone number, and one of our team members will be happy to pray with you. We love you guys. We're believing for God's fruitful work in your life. Have an awesome day and we'll see you soon.